and welcome to the Lightmaker Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and this is another Behind the Curtain episode. This episode, honestly, um, was not planned. My second episode, I was going to talk about binge eating and emotional eating more, and we'll get back to that, but I was really... Beyond shook today at the news of Anthony Bourdain's apparent suicide, and I felt really compelled to kind of skip to uh, an episode about struggling with sadness. And um, I'm going to touch on at least one of the very, very sad moments in my life and how I navigated through it, and um, hopefully two. And if I don't get to the second one in this recording, then it'll definitely be in a future episode. Um... But this series, Behind the Curtain, is really to pull back the veil and to hopefully let those of you guys listening at home, watching at home, um, that know that, that we all go through things, that we all struggle, that we all have um, dark nights, and that I often credit a lot of my dark nights with making me the quote-unquote light maker um, I am today because I feel like it was in those dark nights, it was in those trying times, it was in my deepest struggles that I really learned the tools that I now teach, that I really built my own um, manual for navigating this life. And so I'm grateful for those dark times, but I also think it's really important for us to share them, especially at this point right now, where it just feels like people's mental health is really in the spotlight. And and coming up to the surface for us to really look at, um, I think the fact that, you know, when Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain both take their lives in the same week, um, people that, you know, across very different genres, of course, very different, um, you know, lines of inspiration, so to speak, can really look at that and say, wow, what is going on in the world right now? What is happening that... This sadness that I think has clearly been there is now coming to the surface. Um, as most of you know who have followed me, I did work with Anthony Bourdain while I was filming The Taste um, for a couple of months, and it was an absolute pleasure to know him. Um, this episode is dedicated to him, and, um, and he just had such a big heart, and he was someone that I was so terrified to meet because... I thought, um, you know, all these people were like, he's going to hate you because you're a vegan cook because you don't eat meat. You guys couldn't be farther from opposites. But um, but what I really felt from him was just so much love and so much support. And I saw a father who adored his daughter. I saw a man that had so much passion for life and for the food industry and for really just being exactly who you are and not giving an F, <laughs> right? Um, and he inspired so many people in that way. I know for sure he inspired me to keep going and to keep cooking. And the words of encouragement he gave me really stuck with me. They really made an impact on me during a time in my life where I was really unsure of what I wanted to do, of of my own talents, of my own capability. And, and to have someone in his position with his power and influence and expertise and, you know, worldliness really look at me and, and say, you've got something here, kid, like keep going with this. Don't give up. Um, you know, I didn't think vegetarians could be so cool. Uh, I'll never forget that. And so, so this one's for him. 
And um, I just wanted to share with you my first dark night of the soul. And I say my first dark night of the soul because I've had another since then. Um, and maybe we'll get to that in this episode. And if not, I promise you to share it on an upcoming episode. But I felt it's only right to go in um, order <laughs> and to talk about the dark night of the soul that really changed my life forever. Um, the first time where I really didn't see a point in living. And it wasn't from a place of being willing or open to take my own life in any way. But there was the first time in my whole life where I actually had that experience of being like, what is the point of this? Why am I here? I don't want to be here. Um, and those were really scary thoughts to have. And so let's go back, 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 back. And, you know, also just before I even start that story, the reason I'm calling this struggling with sadness instead of struggling with depression um, is because my distinction between sadness and depression um, is that I feel, and I mean, I feel like they interweave, and so I'm just clarifying it to you as my personal definition, not saying this is like the definition, but sadness feels like something that there are inciting incidents that warrant. Um, and depression to me is more of a chemical imbalance where perhaps there might not be an inciting incident or external um, stimuli that cause the deep sadness. Um, so that's why I'm making the distinction. Again, that distinction is simply for myself and for this, the, you know, the context of this podcast. But, um, but I did feel very depressed during my sadness. So, so let's go back back to I was 25 and I was at the time working as an actress. I was living in New York and I had a boyfriend of about a year and a half, two years or so. And um, I loved him dearly. And I like, I think a lot of girls around that time in a relationship was thinking of what are the next steps and are we going to move in together and is getting engaged down the line. And I kind of hit that stride with him where, you know, we were very comfortable and we were very, it felt like this could be it. And, um, and I had this feeling that if I just, you know, that this could be it. <laughs> and I remember, you know, having some conversations with him and really seeing that, you know, he wasn't ready and he wasn't ready to talk about moving in with me and he wasn't ready to talk about getting engaged. And I had been kind of sitting on these feelings about it for a couple months and just feeling all sorts of torn up inside, all sorts of um, confused and unhappy and unsure if I was in the right place with the right person. I felt, you know, just really rejected by someone that I thought really loved me, that they were not open to talking about that kind of thing and that it made me really question my own um, worth, I suppose, and whether or not it was healthy for me to to be in a relationship with someone that didn't want to have those discussions. And while this podcast is not about <laughs> what was right or wrong about that, um, that's just how I was feeling. I was 25. That's how I was feeling. Um, he was a great guy and I loved him a lot. And um, I eventually made the decision to break up with him. And it was one of the hardest decisions I think I've ever made um, and 
And it was devastating. It was internally devastating to me. I, all I really wanted was this guy to do the opposite, you know, was for him to make some sort of commitment or for him to, you know, take that next step. But I got to the place where I was like, I love myself and I feel like I have to take a stand for myself. It didn't feel self-respecting to be in the relationship any longer. And, and I did it. And I was a mess. I was a mess. And I was second-guessing myself and I was thinking that maybe I had made the biggest mistake of my whole life and um, all the things that happen. For those of you out there who have broken up with someone that you dearly loved because of something like that, um, it's like I think it's one of the worst things, honestly. I've been cheated on and it was much easier <laughs> um, for me. I'll just say for me it was much easier because it was very like a clear cut <laughs> when that kind of happened. But to have someone that you love and could see a future with and walk away from that um, was was really rough. It was definitely um, very, very hard for me. So mind you, I give you that context. So I was already kind of in a sad place that week trying to questioning what I was doing with my life, um, I was acting at the time, like I think I mentioned, I had the blog at the time, um, and I was feeling kind of lost. I was feeling like, I can't believe I just gave up, you know, this relationship with this man that I love, and I, you know, I don't know where my career is going. I thought I'd be farther along by now. Um, I thought I would have made more of myself by 25, and I was just feeling really crappy, Right. Fast forward only a few nights and I remember walking home on the subway and getting a call from my mom and she was a mess. She was crying and um, we had known that something was going on with my brother. He had been in and out of the hospital um, that past summer. He had gone to an internship and ended up in the hospital because his liver failed and so doctors thought he had had um, hepatitis A, kind of sent him home. Um, but he kept on having, you know, difficulties with his health. And so he was in and out of a lot of testing and trying to figure out what was going on with him. And the only person that really knew this was uh, my ex boy, my now ex-boyfriend, because uh, my brother was a really private person at the time. And uh, his he didn't want his employer to know what was going on until he figured out. And... Um, and so it was a very private thing that was going on. And I remember walking home just a few nights after uh, breaking up with uh, this guy and getting this call from my mom where she was in tears and just telling me that they had figured out what was going on with Kenny and that it was really serious and that he had a terminal autoimmune disease called primary sclerosing chloringitis um, that was also compounded by colitis, ulcerative colitis. And, um, and pretty much I did the worst thing that you can ever do when someone you love gets a diagnosis and I Googled what this disease was and kind of what it meant. And the first thing that came up on my phone was this horrendous life expectancy, um, that literally made me just completely lose it. And I looked up kind of the, the details of the disease, which essentially eats at your intestines and your liver. And, um, and eventually most people end up needing a liver transplant or lose parts of their intestines. Um, and it was devastating. I remember walking back into my apartment and literally crumbling to the floor in my living room. And for those of you who haven't had that experience, 
It literally is exactly as I described that. Like, it's literally like a crumbling. Like, I remember walking into my living room and, like, just melting on the floor. I ended up against the wall next to my couch. I didn't even end up on my couch or a chair or my bed or anything. And I just sobbed. I just melted into a puddle and I sobbed and I sobbed and I cried till it felt like I was going to throw up. Um, And I reached out to my ex um, because he knew what was going on. And I called him and I told him. And he said, "Uh, Cass, you're going to have to deal with this on your own. You broke up with me and I can't be there for you for this. And I remember... At that time, that literally being like a straw that broke my back. Just like pillowing even deeper into sadness and feeling so abandoned um, in that moment. And, you know, now looking back, I really see that as a gift that he gave me. I think that if he hadn't in that moment said those words, I would not be the woman I am today. If he had rushed over down the street and and held me that night and let me cry in his arms, um, we probably would have gotten back together. I probably would not have embarked on the spiritual quest that came. And I just wouldn't be who I am today. So in many, many ways, I look at that night um, and I look at how everything ended with him. And I know that that was just such um, an important part of uh of my journey and that that moment also gave me tremendous amounts of closure around our relationship because I think somewhere in my heart I also knew that if he was really my person if he was really like the man that I was supposed to do life with that um that would have been a moment where he would have not been able to stop himself from showing up for me and um so that was a gift as well and so anyway so I'm there crying in a puddle. I ended up calling a girlfriend and crying with her and telling her about everything that was going on. And then just being really, you know, after I got off the phone, being with myself and um, and being, and then I went into the shower and I went into the shower and I tried to stand up and I was trying to, I usually cry in the shower just in general. And... Um, it feels like a, a very releasing, rewarding place for me. Uh, rewarding, I don't know if that's the right word, but like a rejuvenating place for me when I'm sad. And I couldn't bear to stand up. I literally was in uh, the fetal position at the bottom of my shower, just kind of letting the, the water hit my back, sobbing. Um, and I just kept on saying, I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, what's the point of all this? Why, like, take me, you know? Kenny has Kenny has a great future ahead of him. You know, Kenny is so smart. He's such a good kid. Like, he's, he's doing things in the world. Like, take me instead. I, I don't want to. I don't deserve to be healthy if, if he doesn't get that chance. And, um, and lots of iterations of that same thing. And then eventually it getting to a point of me really saying, dear God, I need help because I don't know how to keep living because I don't know how to navigate my life knowing that this is happening to my brother and 
and be okay. I don't know how to show up on set tomorrow and, you know, and smile and joke with people. And I don't know how to, you know, go to the, the supermarket and not be a mess. I don't know how to function. I don't know how I can bear the knowledge that this is going to, to go on or what might be ahead on this path for my brother and, and still live. I really didn't. I had never, I think before, ever in my life felt so sad, felt so deeply, deeply lost, so unsure of what the next step was or how I was going to navigate it. Um, and, and once again, you know, before that time, uh, I wasn't someone that was talking to God on the regular. You know, I was raised Catholic. I went to church and all of that. But um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like I, you know, I wasn't like I am now. Um, I wasn't in daily communication. I wasn't in daily prayer. And I really just was desperate enough that I was like, God, if you're out there, if, you, if you're out there, <laughs> I need an answer. I need some help because I, I don't have this. I don't know how to navigate this. I am completely lost at how I'm supposed to carry on. And I heard, um, you know, after kind of settling down on the, the bathtub floor, just go to bed and you'll know what to do in the morning. And, you know, it's probably like 6 a.m. at this point. And so I dry off. I drag myself to bed. I pass out, probably still in my towel. And I remember waking up the next morning and and just knowing that I had to meditate. I had to I had to try to meditate and I had no idea where to start. So I literally opened up my laptop, went on YouTube, and I did meditations all day. I did like five different meditations. I tried all different types of meditations. Um, and they would provide me with, with some peace. And I continued on like that for a couple of weeks where I would literally meditate several times a day. Um, and then in between those meditations, I'd end up crying. Um, I would try to feed myself um, sometimes. I would try to, you know, I oftentimes couldn't keep it together long enough to go to the grocery store. So I would order takeout. Um, and sometimes even if I could only just get takeout once the day, it was enough to eat. <laughs> um... And after a couple weeks of that and just really being in this cocoon and, and figuring out what it meant and, you know, staying in touch with my family and, and trying to give my parents their own space to process it because I knew they were going through a lot as well, um, I finally, I started leaning so much heavier on my blog and that's kind of how everything started for me. Um, I was not only now deep diving into spirituality through my YouTube ventures, I had found Kundalini meditations. I had found The Course in Miracles. I had found Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay. Um, this was when uh, Marianne Williamson. This is when I started doing A Course in Miracles. I remember. Um, I remember watching a bunch of YouTube videos around it and it feeling really good. Um, I started my Kundalini journey with a Kundalini meditation for self love. And I literally would just ingest self-help books and meditations all day. And before this point in my life, it wasn't that I was like not into self-help, but it was, I wasn't into spirit, I wasn't really as deep into spirituality 
In fact, I had had an ex-boyfriend in college give me A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. And when I first got it, I couldn't even get into it. I couldn't resonate with it. Um, And so it's really been a big part of my journey. And that's why I do everything that I do now is I really believe that meditation, you know, saved me from that darkness in my life. It really helped me kind of let the clouds part and, and get my mind to a space where I could show up and be, you know, as best as I could be for my family and for my brother. And um, as a side note, my brother is doing well and stable and still with us today. And I'm so grateful um, for him. And, um, you know, he did, um, I guess I'll talk about that a little bit later, but I... Um, That really started my spiritual path. That is why I'm such an advocate. That's why I do everything I do right now because it was everything. You know, I started, I went to a Buddhist temple in Brooklyn and I took meditation lessons. I, you know, went to a Kundalini center downtown and and took their classes. I did all sorts of yoga. I tried all the things. I tried the whole buffet because I was so desperate. I was so desperate for anything that worked. Um, And the biggest thing that also helped along with meditation was me really... Coming from a place of doing whatever it took to make myself happy when it came to to a place of self-preservation. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was almost, it was from a place of self-preservation. It wasn't from the, you know, I think a lot of times we hear now like follow your bliss and all that stuff and that's great, but it was almost, you know, it was something inside of me that knew. I was following the things that brought me joy from a place of, self-preservation um and so that's when I really pour my poured my heart into the blog that's when I started you know do making more vegan gluten-free cupcakes and selling them around town that's really when I recorded the video that ultimately full circle ended me up on the taste with um Anthony Bourdain um and it was really just from a place of not trying to build a business it was from a place of therapy for myself, it was me doing something I love from that place of healing myself, of helping myself get through every day, so that I could hopefully show up for those around me who needed me more than, you know, more than, more than you know, I needed them in a way, I guess. And you know, that journey was long. That was kind of the crescendo, but there were many. You know, my brother ultimately um, lost his large intestine. Um, and had a bunch of very um, intense surgeries um, up at Harvard Medical Center and has, you know, it has not been, you know, a, an easy journey. And I will say, you know, each kind of little bop in the road, each kind of um, health scare and each different surgery and when things got really bad. And I remember being in California, um, for something work-related and getting a call that my brother was going into emergency surgery because the steroids they were giving him made his organs too soft and they were scared if they made him any softer, they wouldn't be able to operate and he would die. And it was there was a couple of blips like that. So it was, you know, from the period of two years, really living an internal roller coaster and not really being able to talk about it publicly um, on you know, social media or my Instagram or anything like that because it was my brother's journey and it wasn't mine to share and he was a private, you know, he is a private person um, 
And of course, when I wrote E with Intention, I had to get his permission to share his story. And now on the other side of things, he's really happy to have me share his story in any way that that inspires people or, or gives people hope that they can make it through really tough things too. And that, um, you know, that there is, you know, there is an upside. And um, yeah, so, so it wasn't, it wasn't um, a perfect road after that. And it's still something that can definitely get me in my knees. But I have learned some amazing tools. I've learned some amazing tools um, coping with that sadness and dancing with it. And meditation, like I said, has been a lifesaver as well. You know, I think a lot of you guys probably know my tagline is like, live a life that lights you up. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for people listening to their intuition and following their heart and doing the things that you know, really bring them joy. And, and so much of that is from such a deep, deep place of knowing that that is what allows us to move through the adversity in life. That is what allows us at the end of the day, if we are doing enough things that bring us joy, and it doesn't even need to be in a professional sense, and we're doing the things that bring us joy, the little things, the talking to the little birds on your morning walks, the, you know, having that your favorite cup of tea, the you know, taking a walk with a friend or sitting with your grandparent, if we're doing those little things every day that bring us joy, that bring us happiness, then when life throws us a curveball, when we have adversity, when we have, you know, these things that happen that are just part of the journey of life, unfortunately, we have such a better uh, handle at being able to navigate it. And, you know, to be honest, and we'll, I'll talk about this now, I'll talk about this more in my next um, podcast when I go into my more recent struggle um, with uh, sadness. But, but, you know, at that point in my life, honestly, I, I, didn't have, uh, I didn't have the means to get a therapist or should I say I wasn't, that wasn't where I looked for things. Um, but I did, like I said, I found resources. I found spiritual mentors. I found, um, you know, I found support I found communities that could support me so that I didn't, you know, oftentimes I think we don't want to burden our family with, with these things. And especially if it's something that's going on that's affecting people in your close circles. Um, and it's so great to be able to have those support support systems that are even outside of your friends. You know, my, my girlfriends were my rocks during that time in my life. And I am internally grateful for all of the girlfriends that, checked in and would ask and would text me when he was in and out of the hospital and always checking in. I still have girlfriends. Just yesterday I had a girlfriend text me and ask me how he was. Um, and it makes the world of a difference, knowing that someone cares, um, knowing that, you know, people are thinking about you. And, you know, I'm going to wrap this up because I don't want this to go too long. I'm trying to keep these <laughs> to a half an hour. But... Um, you know, that, that was just the, that's just the tipping point. That was my tipping point and it changed my life. Um, and that's why I really do believe that it's our, you know, not to be like, you know, silly, but it's our darkest times that make us light makers. And, and I do believe that I'm the woman I am today because of going through that experience. And, you know, um, I dedicated it with intention to Kenny and I've spoken to him about it where I really don't think I would be who I am without that journey and, and how it changed me and the resources I had to put together to move through it. 
with my own mental health. And so I just hope that if you're listening to this right now and you're struggling or you're going through something right now, whether it is sadness or depression or whatever, or anxiety or anger, that you know that there is another side to it, that you, that there are so many resources out there and, you know, mine were meditation, mine were throwing myself into my creative endeavors like my blog, um, mine, you know, mine may be different than yours. And maybe yours is going surfing. Maybe yours is painting. Maybe yours is joining a a recycling group in your community. But to trust that if you go within and you ask, and you really ask, okay, what's the thing I need to do right now that will just bring me just a little bit more happiness, right? That will bring me a little bit more joy. That will help help me navigate this, this, this time period in my life a little bit better. Um, that there will be an answer and that there is always support out there, whether it's you going to a clinic to talk to a therapist at an affordable price, it's you finding a therapist, it's you calling a loved one or a friend that you can confide in, you reaching out to a, a teacher. People want to help. People, people want to help and you're doing them a service by allowing them to be there, there for you. Because at the end of the day, People, we, we're all in this together and we're all struggling and at different times and we all go through shit. We all go through shit. And I really think that it's in talking about those dark times. If, it, it's, if it's honestly saying like, hey, yeah, I went a week without being able to get out of sweatpants and put my, like literally bring myself outside of my apartment without hysterically crying. That we also hear for ourselves that if we have that kind of week or if we have a really bad day that you know what a bad day doesn't make a bad life and a bad day doesn't make me uh you know uh it doesn't make something wrong with me right there's nothing wrong with you uh Marianne Williamson who was a big inspiration to me and a big mentor you know she often says that if you're not a little anxious or a little depressed like you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world And so often, so many of us that feel so much, that feel so much, that go through so much, um, we feel like perhaps there's something wrong with us if if we're struggling with sadness or if we're struggling with anxiety. And I just want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you, um, that you can get help, that there are tools out there. And, um, and I hope that this podcast inspired you. Um, I hope that this podcast made you feel a little less alone if you are going through something. Um, and I'm always here, of course, as well, if you need to reach out, if you need support. Um, I, I appreciate you listening. Um, I love you. And um, I hope you stay tuned and subscribe to hear more episodes because I'm excited to be having these conversations with you.